Welcome to Brand by Design with your host, certified BG5 business consultant, myself, Ashley Brana Eve. The goal of this podcast is to help you create a clear, consistent, creative personal brand to help you stand out and get paid for what you are best at. If you are ready to leverage your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business, this is the place. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello, hello, and happy new year, everybody. I can't believe how long it's been since I've hung out with you on YouTube. That is about to change because next week, if you've been following me on Instagram, you know all about Lilith After Dark, and that is a new direction, a new series that is based on the old. I used to do channeled and based on astrology readings each week, so it happened on Sundays over on YouTube, and I did astrology reports. So it's really bringing back the old but it's a new direction. And I encourage you to subscribe to the channel so that you can make sure you are here. Let me just turn off. I hate the Facebook notifications. There we go. We're back on track. So you can hear those energy reports and be a part of Lilith After Dark. Now, today, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is the Pluto and Aquarius with the Cross of Sleeping Phoenix. And I think I bring a really unique perspective to this conversation Because of my experience with human design, I'm at the Differentiation College at the IHDS, International Human Design School. I'm certified in BG5, which is Ra-Ruhu's business side of human design. And we learn extensively about cycles there. I am actually certified as a business cycles specialist. So we had to learn all about cycles there. We had to learn all about cycles in the analyst program. And I'm also certified as profit potential coach. So I've been through the thick of it at both BG5 and the IDHDS. And for those that are newer here, you might actually not know this. Those that have been around for a while, you know this. You're like, yeah, actually, I already know this. Continue. I, I, I've been an astrologer longer than I can remember. It was one of the first things I was passionate about as a kid. And I'm not going to get into my history here, but I am, I've taken multiple certifications in astrology, worked with many mentors over the years. And in fact, my business, when it first started, believe it or not, was centered in astrology. So it's really interesting to marry these two pieces of self to talk to you guys about as energy of Pluto and Aquarius, the cross of sleeping Phoenix, how is this all coming together? And why is this so impactful and unique that you chose to be alive right now when we have a massive cycle change going from the cross of planning, the cross of sleeping Phoenix. And not only that, but we have Pluto moving into Aquarius. This is a massive time to be alive. And it's an important time to be alive. And, you know, over the years, I felt more and more my patience for those, and this might trigger some, shitting the bed on what they're really meant to do here. And hey, we all do it. Sometimes I do it too, because the world needs you right now. And we're going to get into why. We're going to talk about why, but the world needs you right now. And in fact, not only does it need you right now, but in the transitions we're going through, I'm telling you guys, the frequency, the energy of earth will have its whole, no holds bars. It's taken no prisoners. You're in or you're out basically. And it's only going to support the individual frequency moving forward. And this is just sharing a slide from a previous training I had. I believe this is, you are the niche sleeping business, sleeping Phoenix business paradigm, I believe. I 
created so many over the years. All right, so let's get into this. First, Pluto takes about 248 years to orbit the sun and is one of the few planets that makes important moves only a few times during an average human's lifetime. Now, if you've been around for a while, you know Pluto's one of my favorites, even though it's been kicked out as a planet, because to me, it represents the dark goddess energy. Now, of course, Hades is a representation of Pluto in Greek mythology. However, I've always shifted it to the dark goddess energy, still representing the exact same energy, of course, because Hades is the god of the underworld. However, I like to look at it through Hecate, Kali, and Lilith energy. So when we're seeing at this point in your time, Pluto, this transformative, mutative, potentially destructive planet moving into Aquarius, which is innovation, creativity, being eccentric, being the individual on top of, layered on top of the cross of planning, global cycle change, moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix. This is quite profound. It honestly is. And I'm really not one to try and make things seem bigger than they are, but it is a huge time to be alive for transition with the planet. And I feel we are at a massive crossroads where this energy could be used for evil, power struggles, destructiveness in a negative way rather than destruction for rebirth. Or it could be used in a positive way where people are really starting to step into their genius and change the world for the better. So let's go into what a global cycle is because you might be thinking, all right, actually, that's cool. We're moving from the era of planning to the era of the individual. We're moving from the cross of planning to the cross of sleeping Phoenix, but I, you might as well be speaking a different language. I don't know what you're talking about. Human design is profoundly deep. And this is also where I get a little bit frustrated with the catchphrases online because it really doesn't take into account how profound and deep the system is. And it takes into account, of course, astrology, right? That's the imprint of what Ra would call the gods. The neutrinos go through the planets 88 days before your birth imprints you and your moment of birth imprints you. So there's a massive interplay with astrology and human design. Global cycles, Ra said, measure the procession of equinoxes. Now, this is a direct quote from him. He says, the procession of the equinoxes has a deeper effect on our world than simply what stars we see in the sky. Neutrinos are a product of the stars and penetrate celestial bodies to carry information into our DNA and back out again. Our movement in space exposes us to a gradually altered neutrino stream, which leads to a dramatic shift in awareness over time. The background frequency brings underlying themes that fundamentally reconstruct our physical world in alignment with our movement in space. Now, the one thing I want to say, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. However, something I think is really important right now is talking about what are neutrinos, (laughs) right? So I try to clear up what are global cycles a bit and added something in called neutrinos. You might be saying, Ashley, I have no idea what neutrinos are. And please make sure your if you hire someone that calls themselves a human design expert, they understand neutrinos. <laughs> There's a lot of self-professed human design experts online. So neutrinos made in stars, very small amount made in, in Jupiter, and you can't see them, right? Thousands of them are streaming through you every moment of every day. And something really incredible that raw realized, channeled, before science had caught up to it, was that neutrinos have mass. 
Science eventually agreed. At the time human design came out, science said neutrinos did not have mass. Well, why is this so profound? It's so profound because when we think of the impact of that, it is an object moving through space that has mass taking particles from the planets, from what it moves through, and then it moves through you and out the other side. And what happens, an analogy I use all the time is imagine, sometimes that can be hard to imagine what that actually means, right? Imagine you're in a parking lot and you back up, you have a blue car, you back up into a white car. Well, the white car now, even if it wasn't hard, is going to have a little bit of blue on it. And the blue car is going to have a little bit of white on it. And that's an analogy I like to use to show the neutrinos and the significance of neutrinos having mass. Because what that means is it penetrates the celestial bodies bodies carrying that information through your DNA and back out again. Now, in terms of the cross of planning, we are in a global cycle called the cross of planning. As I said, the cross of planning has been in effect since 1615, and it's going to end in 2027. So again, this is underlining how incredible, and I know I've been using, I need a more creative word to use there, but mind-blowing that it you are alive in a time of a cycle change, but not just a cycle change, a massive astrological event where Pluto is moving, it's changing signs into Aquarius. When we were in the cross of planning, and technically we still are, it's seven-year cycles to exit the cross of planning, it brought the energy of the bargain. So it brought the energy of corporations, of big pharma, of government, of banks, of the industrial age, of the material plane, right? The bargain. You sell me that and I give you this. This cross influenced humanity to work together in a way it had never done before. And as Rod describes, he says, everything operates in seven-year cycles. Therefore, we are basically right now, (laughs) as I put it, my twist on his words, eyeballs deep (laughs) in the crumbling of the cross of planning, moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix. Like we're in the thick of it. And you can't tell me you don't feel it right now. When you look at, you know, high hierarchical structures falling apart in society and on one side, the struggle for control on one side, the power struggle, which is also Pluto and Aquarius. We're going to see more of those power struggles of, if you will, good and evil, although we could get esoteric and say, what is good and evil? But the hierarchical crumbling where old structures want to hold on to that and the newer structure, we're moving more into a more just harmonic society. Ross said that reflectors are the ushers in of that because that's essentially what they do is help us create a more just society. So we are in the, we are eyeballs deep in this. It's happening. It's happening around us. You can see this as well. I'm a big pop culture fan. So you can see this over on pop culture, right? Where Netflix has series now about the guru falling. The guru was a big feature of the cross of planning. Spiritual gurus, big pharma gurus, government gurus, essentially who and how can I give my, my authority to someone else? How can I not take responsibility for myself? but give it to someone else. It's their fault or not just their fault, but who can I go to that's going to tell me and be my authority and just tell me what to do. And I can be a little robot or I can be a good employee and go and get it done. So we've noticed, I imagine we all have, that the glue that's been holding what Ra called the tribal energy together starting to disintegrate. 
Now, there are a lot of people in the human design space that say they teach human design, create their own systems, and don't believe Ra's more dark version of what he believes we're moving into. And I have to admit, I side with Raw on this, and I think the love and light is doing a big disservice, and I think it's spiritually bypassing a lot of what's happening in the world with this crumbling, because we're seeing this. We're seeing this with wars. We're seeing this with genocide. We're seeing this with ev- there's so much going on right now that's being brought to our eyes, the illusions that are fading, the tribal glue of almost the sheep starting to fall away. And people are starting to question things. People are starting to realize that it may not have been what they were being fed. And you can see this happening. One channel of the cross of planning brings the channel of community. So this is 37 to 40. This is where the tribal bargain is struck. And it brings loyalty as well to support the community. So one thing that we had in the cross of planning that we're not really going to have moving forward is that community loyalty above all else. Okay. So what I mean by that, and you might've been seeing this in different niches and different circles is what the cross of planning did was create such extreme loyalty that people wouldn't question what was going on. Such extreme loyalty that the guru could happen in different niches, different areas, because people were just, I'm loyal because that's what you do. I'm loyal because you're the expert. I'm loyal because I don't know, you'll take care of me. The era of planning was very much, you will take care of me. And the cross of planning energy frequency of corporations, banks, gurus, et cetera, was we'll take care of you. Don't worry, we will take care of you. You know, and I see this a lot for people that are, that find my world, right? And I've always been, I mean, very blunt and very much you have the answers within, which can be very triggering for people that are, you know, start just starting to wake up in the cross of planning, just starting to wake up to the fact of like, oh, I'm my authority. I know I ask in before I ask out. And so what's really happened is, you know, at times it can be a hard truth for people to hear, but I'm not here to take care of you. (laughs) I'm here to support you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to help you see what cannot be seen through the tools I use, but you have to take care of yourself. You are your authority. And this is the energy that we're moving through from the cross of planning to the cross of sleeping Phoenix, an era of planning, an era of tribe to an era of the individual. Now I want to really stress the importance of the language of the cross of planning. We will get to that as well. So the channel community merges the willpower to provide for the family or tribe with the emotional needs to give affection and return for resources. So kind of that energy of like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? And then you feel that sense of loyalty or almost duty to someone. There's this energy of working together to fulfill the demands of our communities. And this channel is a global conditioning force that brings definition between the solar plexus and the ego center. Now, Raru said, if you ponder it, Our situation is very different from those of prior epochs, and we had no choice. It was simply time for a revolution that changed the ancient ways of rulership. That was previous cross of rulership was 721 to 1202. Our modern democracy of helping and respecting each other was born. Now, the other arm, because you're going to literally get across, right, (laughs) across through the using the gates that are represented, you're going to four gates for any cross. 
And you can see it mapped out on my website, on my blog, ashleybriannaeve.com. You can check out, I have a lot of graphics. You can check out more there if you're visual and you want to see it laid out. So the other arm of the cross of planning brings gate 16, which is enthusiasm, the gate of skills, and nine, the taming power of the small, the gate of detail. (laughs) Now look at what the cross of planning was marked by. Having the skills and knowing the details. And now we're moving into an era that's saying, you are the art. Something I've said all along, you are the brand, right? You've had the answers within. Stop seeking the external details. It's a huge shift that we're going through. Less than 150 years after moving into this global cycle, we see the appearance of what became known as the industrial age. This age, as Ra says, this is a quote from Ra, brought the building of factories with their organized workers and assembly lines, community structures like hospitals, care facilities, and other institutions, such as the educational system, built on the bargains that serve to support our community, sometimes at the expense of the individual, often at the expense of the individual. And that's homogenization. That's the very fabric of homogenization. This almost blind loyalty we can see already crumbling. We can see this. Look in any industry right now. We can see this shift. The Pluto Aquarius meets. Like I just (laughs) see this like clashing when I think of this in, in the cosmos. This big clash happening. Not in a necessarily bad way. In an awakening way. Awakening of the spirit is what we're moving into in both respects. Pluto and Aquarius and cross the planning moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix. Awakening of spirit. I just see this big clash of all this energy because we are seeing this play out before our eyes. Let's talk about the cross of the sleeping Phoenix now. So again, we are in the seven-year cycle. Now, it's not like when we hit 2027, (laughs) nothing of the cross of planning is around and we're just in the cross of sleeping Phoenix. That's not how it works. As long as there are beings that have been born prior to 2027, there is remnants of the era of planning. There are remnants of the cross of planning. Now there are, and I have a course on this. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. It is a sleeping Phoenix business paradigm one, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I have a course that breaks down because there are certain locks and keys because that instability of going overnight from the cross of planning to the cross of sleeping Phoenix is not something we want. So we have individuals that have more of the locks and some that have more of the keys is your role to usher in the new age or is your role to anchor in the old so that it's not a massive destruction and chaos ensues right we already have pluto and aquarius we don't need more chaos thank you very much so we each have our unique role in this shift into the crosses sleeping phoenix so it's not going to be overnight don't freak out it's not like 2027 shows up and it's a totally different material plane we're just going to see a shift in the market we're going to see a shift in why people are purchasing, their motivation for purchasing certain things, for example, in the self-development or spiritual industries. We're just going to see a shift. And there's a lot of people that are not going to wake up. They're not woken up now. And they're sure as shit not going to wake up in 2027 that none of this means anything to you because they're so far in the conditioning. So a lot will change and many things will not. With this seven-year cycle, of course, we're moving across the Sleeping Phoenix, a background frequency that holds us together moves from basically saying, make a bargain with your neighbor, right? Like go out and shake a hand with your neighbor, make a bargain with them, trade resources to forget about your neighbor and think about yourself. (laughs) Now, 
when Raw talked about this, he did not mean that in 2027, I want to make sure this is clear, that we don't have coaches, that we don't have mentors, that we don't have therapists, that we, you know, are out for ourselves and being kind of jerks to everyone else. That's not what he meant. What you're going to see more and more as we move into it is a massive discernment over who you spend your time around, who you're working with, who you hire, the resources you are consuming, because it's going to be, I'm my inner authority first. And so it's going to be the right people rather than loyalty for the sake of loyalty or loyalty because you feel like you owe someone something. It's going to be, I'm surrounding myself with the right people. Ra-Ruhu said, it is the 55th gate that will express the beginning of the new age starting in 2027. When the procession of the equinox enters the 55th gate, sixth line. This is a retrograde process that will leave gate 37 behind and enter the gate of abundance and the sixth line of selfishness. It's something to understand that we're leaving behind a tribal age and entering it into a very individualistic age. An age that is keyed into mutation. And that mutation is focused, zoomed in on 55. Gate 55. Whether you have it defined or not, is doesn't matter. Gate 55 as well still, and Ross said this before his death, a difficult gate to grasp, even in its basic nature. It's a, it's a very complex gate, and we're not fully understanding it because it's under mutation right now. So it's going to be one of those experiences of, We have to experience it to see to the fullness of what it's mutating into. The solar plexus is also mutating right now. It was a motor and it's turning into an awareness center. It's mutating itself. Now, again, energy of Pluto in Aquarius is mutation, transformation, innovation. And we're seeing this right down to our very cells in the body graph, which is fascinating. With the 55, it's an emotional spirit, of course. It's coming out of the solar plexus pointing down to the root. And it is very much a cup half full or cup half empty energy. Now, this is not to then be excuse an excuse of, you know, I just see the cup half empty because, you know, gate 55 and all. No. (laughs) It is an energetic frequency that you get to opt in or out of. Do you see everything as cup half empty? Do you see it as cup half full? That's a choice on your end, right? We don't want to blame our body graph. One of the biggest things with working with my clients is we don't blame our astrology. We don't blame our body graph. One of my biggest irritants is projectors saying, oh, I don't have energy because I'm a projector. I can't tell you the amount of projectors that have come into my world saying that from day one, I sent them for blood work and there was something that showed up on their blood work. There was something that needed to be addressed. One specific client last year even was entered into the hospital. Couldn't get a hold of her. What is going on? She finally messages me and says, remember that blood work you sent me for? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I had to be hospitalized. It was so bad. And my iron was so low. I needed transfusions. And before I met you, before I met someone that was willing to say it to my face that it wasn't my design, I just thought it was because I was a projector that I wasn't supposed to have energy. So it's just something to keep in mind. Now, let's get back to, you might've caught on to me saying it's going to be line six selfishness that we're entering entering into. Now, selfishness is often misunderstood. And I feel like for a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs as well, and spiritual beings, there can be like this, <gasps> when you hear selfishness, like, no, I'm not selfish. Can't be selfish, right? Here's the thing. The spirit requires selfishness or there's no transition. 
That's a quote from Roth. The spirit requires selfishness or there is no transition. This means you must be selfish in the sense of owning your differentiated self, owning your individual path, being around the right people rather than brand uh, brand loyalty (laughs) or brand loyalty. That's the thing too. Blind loyalty to the tribe. It means, and something that is an analogy I use often with my clients when we look at this energy we're moving into is putting your oxygen mask on first before taking care of others. We hear this all the time, right? If you're on a plane and the oxygen masks drop, you put yours on first before anyone else's, including your kids. That's the energy of selfishness. And I always encourage my clients all the time when there's stickiness around a word to look at, well, nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. So what is the meaning? You've been conditioned to see the world word selfishness through. And if you've given it a negative connotation that selfishness is bad, it makes you a bad person, very often that comes also along with someone that is a yes man or a yes woman and always putting themselves last, taking care of everyone else first and burning the candle at both ends. Selfishness is not bad. You must take care of yourself first. And this is the energy we're moving into in 2027. It also doesn't mean, of course, you don't help other people or that you don't turn to others for help. This is not hyper-independence to a fault. It's not that lone wolf energy. It means you prioritize your oxygen first. Now, the cross of sleeping phoenix reminds us that the individual mutation only takes place when you own your uniqueness. That's it. I was working with clients on marketing and copywriting, and I said, you can try Till the cows come home to judge up your marketing and copywriting. But if you're not saying what you want to say, the way you want to say it and owning your uniqueness, it's going to get you nowhere. You have to own your uniqueness. And it's a non-negotiable in the cross of sleeping Phoenix. And I'm going to be honest, and this might upset a lot of people. I think what we're going to see is a lot more people quitting their business, unfortunately. And that kills me to hear quitting their business because they're not willing to do this. They're not willing to be differentiated. And the courage it takes to be differentiated in this world, the courage it takes to be unique, there is a deep strength required of each person that's owning their uniqueness. And the Cross of Sleeping Phoenix is demanding that of us. Ra-Ruhu said in regards to this shift, with this line, I tell people work, work, work. And yes, he meant that to every design. As to provide for oneself is an extraordinary thing. It elevates the spirit. You also have to realize that you will not get to the spirit until you can look after the body. This is something I say all the time, guys, right? This is why I created my holistic human design package. You cannot get to the spirit until you look after your body. If you are in chronic pain, if you are chronically tired, if you are chronically burned out, you cannot get to the spirit. If your body is chronically tight, the seat of your soul rests in your hips. If you are chronically tight and sore, how do you elevate the spirit? How do you connect with the spirit? So Ra, getting back to his quote, says, you have no chance for the spirit unless you can look after your body. I'm tired of holy rollers with their platitudes. It's not about this. It is about being able to look after ourselves. This is fundamental. Now, I feel the biggest shift that you're going to feel or everyone's going to feel, and this is something I teach my clients all the time, is shifting from a world of outside in, and we can 
see this here as well. It's we will take care of you from the outside in to the area of the individual. You have to take care of yourself from the inside out. And what he means by you have to take care of yourself is you are your authority. You ask in before you ask out. Again, it doesn't mean you don't have support. We all need support in different areas of life, but it means you ask in before you ask out. Now let's dive into Pluto and the dark goddess. (laughs) Pluto, of course, as I said, is the Greek god of the underworld, Hades. Now there is a whole Hades story. That's one of my favorite stories to tell, but I'm going to stay on track here. For me, with feminine archetypes, Pluto represents the dark goddess. The dark goddess has the potential to bring chaos to our seemingly organized, perfect little lives. (laughs) And I love the dark goddess because I believe that chaos often is the only thing that will wake us up. Because you maybe for, let's use example, a direction in business, and it's going well enough. You're happy enough. You're making enough, right? But you're not alive. And often it requires the dark goddess coming in and ripping everything down so you can live an aligned life. Most people need that kind of awakening, that shock to finally get back in alignment to really surrender to passenger consciousness. The dark goddess is also going to push you to your limits, challenge you, and bring you to your knees. I remember back when I was primarily teaching astrology and feminine archetypes, this is going back a few years, I had a client come to me and we started working with this astrology and Pluto in her chart. And within a week, she lost her job, her partner broke up with her, and she had to sell her house. Talk about bringing chaos to what appeared to be a perfectly organized life. The dark goddess encompasses this healthy polarity to the love and light. I've never been one of the love and light people. (laughs) The thing against that of you are, as long as it's not spiritual bypassing. And often the love and light dominates spirituality and self-development. In fact, often I've been criticized by others in the spiritual spaces, others in the feminine spaces for not being love and light enough. Well, to me, the dark goddess is one of the faces of the feminine. It is an actual psychological archetype, if you will. Even if we take it away from mythology and and the goddess archetype, it is actually a psychological archetype for women. And what we've reduced women to very often in today's society is love and light, the good girl, the people pleaser. And if you are anything other than that, you're bad, you're rude, you're a bitch. Right? So the dark goddess encompasses that polarity, the polarity of love and light and the shadow that very often is missing from the self development world, missing from the spiritual world. She's been the dark goddess, this is a little bit off off topic, but has been continues to be shunned, continues to be shunned. And we can see that more in broader society with Pluto losing its space as a planet. I I 100% believe that. So To turn away from the dark goddess energy, which is Pluto, and even what we might see as dark energy, right, is to bypass the naughty, uncomfortable depths of our self-development. And it's within those challenging places that immense healing, transformation, initiation can take place. You know, as the, (laughs) it's so corny, but I'm just thinking of the saying, a smooth sea does not make a skilled sailor. Is that how it goes? I think that's the saying. So the challenges shape you. In BG5, it's they say your mess is your message. 
That's what shapes you. That's why I love looking at squares in natal charts. Everyone wants to look at the positive aspects. Give me the squares. Give me the Pluto energy. And that dark goddess is really going to hold your feet to the fire while you probably squirm to go back to the comforts of your homogenized life. You know, it's very much matrix. Red or blue pill, my friend, red or blue. And Pluto's asking us that in Aquarius. Red or blue, you got a choice. You got to pick. You're in or out. (laughs) The dark goddess can be our helpful guides. Pluto's influence is intense, life-altering, and profound. So what we're going to see is a crumbling of the illusions. And I really believe a potential for almost this power struggle as there's a crumbling. Because it's not just spiritual people that are feeling this. This is a collective thing we're moving through. So if you've also been going through, and this is something I hear all the time, people saying, oh, you know, 2023, oh my goodness, I was really going through it. I was really questioning myself. I built this. I work with multiple people. I built multiple seven-figure businesses and had an identity crisis because they realized it wasn't what they wanted to build. It wasn't in the direction they wanted to go. Sure, they were great at it. Sure, they got great results in their business and for their clients, but it wasn't the direction they wanted to go. And so we were really asking these questions. And if you're feeling that as well, this is the energy of and what we are being prepared for, if you could say we were prepared for Pluto entering Aquarius and the cross of planning moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix. This is visionaries, visionary directions, rebellious individuality and innovation, the crumbling of hierarchies. But again, a lot of these power systems or systems in power, they're not just going to walk away and say, oh, it's okay. No, there's potential for conflict in this shift. And I really believe humanity is at a crossroads and what direction we go right now as Pluto enters, enters Aquarius is going to define us for negative or positive. Now, innovation, again, better or worse, the dark side of Aquarius is very robotic and unemotional. So it doesn't surprise me that now all of a sudden we're getting really hit more and more with Elon Musk's iRobot experiment. I mean, have you guys seen iRobot? Did we learn nothing from that movie? Did we learn nothing? His robots remind me so much of iRobot. It's creepy. Anyway, (laughs) so there's positive and negative aspects. And we are looking at technology innovation right now. We are looking at that robotic, right? Now, robotic can be taken literally as robots or robotic taken more metaphorically as in like unemotional. But we're seeing the expression both right now. The dark side of Pluto is also going to represent your power dynamics and power itself, obsession, and even pure destructiveness. And that's why I say I I just feel we're on such a path right now, humanity. And that's why I really believe people need to rise up and take a stand for something. Because even if you think it's something you don't have an impact on, your ripple effects will be felt. It's critical that everyone takes a stand. Everyone takes a stand for humanity and a just humanity. So on the flip side, of course, innovation can also be profound for humanity, not harmful or negatively destructive at all. A good destruction is one that allows a rebirth, the dying of the old so that the new can be born. And something that reminds me of that is fires. There are some plants that can only have their birth through fire. And so we can have that or can also be a negative destruction. And so I think one of the most powerful things we can ask ourselves right now is what do I actually stand for? 
what do I stand for? And I mean that bigger than brands. I mean that bigger than business. What's your stand? Stand for something. And we're really being, you know, called to right now. And of course, you don't have to, but I don't know. (laughs) For me, I'd rather go out of this world having made a difference and taking a stand for something than not. In Pluto and Aquarius, so we're going to move over to now looking at Pluto and Aquarius. It entered Aquarius on January 20th, 2024, and it's going to remain there until September 1st. All right, so this is important. So briefly, I know everyone loves Mercury retrograde, right? We get it so often you can't forget about it. All we hear about is Mercury retrograde. Pluto's going to go retrograde. (laughs) This is going to be an interesting one. Mark my words. That is September 1st it starts. Mark my words. Oh, no. I'm going to have a roller coaster of a birthday month, I suppose. It's going to go retrograde back in a Capricorn to tie up some loose ends, and it's going to re-enter Aquarius on November 19th. This is where it's going to remain until March 8th, 2043. So it's carrying us well into the Cross the Sleeping Phoenix. Interestingly enough, we're, you know, as we go into the Cross of the Sleeping Phoenix, we're shifting into the individual creativity. We're shifting from the inside out. As this shift here happens, it's going to kind of feel like, I said to a client today, sandpaper rubbing over third degree burns, especially when it goes retrograde or especially when it's retrograde. And then moving back into on in November, you have an opportunity there. Again, what did I ask? What are you a stand for? What are you a stand for? You have a chance to map out, and I don't mean literally sit there with a map, decide, make a decision on what you are a stand for and the direction you're going moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix, to set that path, to set yourself on the aligned, correct path. That's your opportunity. Now, of course, just because it's happening doesn't mean that we're all going to accept it, but it's a door opening. And I would say, I'd be sorting my shit out. for November 19th, tie up those loose ends. When it goes back into Capricorn, tie up those loose ends, allow the sandpaper to do what it needs to do to to bear the heart of why you're here, to scrape away the illusions, to scrape away the shoulds, to scrape away the bullshit and illuminate for you what it all means for you, where you're going. Another question I would say is, as we move into this, is how can I embody myself into my mission even more? Something I say to my clients all the time, where am I shitting the bed? And I would suggest figuring this out quick, (laughs) right? Now, where I'll take a stand on this, actually. I want to take a stand on this. Pluto and Aquarius combined with the cross of Sleeping Phoenix, I think 2024 is going to be a bumpy year. And I think we're going to see more unprecedented times because remember, when we're looking at power structures with Pluto, that crumbling, you know, imagine yourself. So I want to imagine you yourself surrendering in a passenger consciousness. How much of a power struggle does your personal mind have with spirit? How much does your, how much of a power struggle do you have when Pluto comes in 
if we're just looking at your natal chart and the dark goddess comes in, it's trying to clean shit up and take things away and get rid of that, which no longer serves. How much of a power struggle do you put up? I've worked with thousands of people now in human design and astrology, and I can tell you it's a lot. It's a big power struggle. So now we're looking at corporations that are going to be crumbling from the cross of planning, the cross of sleeping Phoenix. So I think we're going to have unprecedented times. I do also believe that we're going to have like aliens are going to, there's going to be more about aliens coming out, more unusualness, Uranus. Actually, I don't want to get there yet. I, we're, let's follow typical generator. I was getting off track. All right, let's backtrack a bit. So since 2008, Pluto has been in Capricorn. This is associated with big business. What did we just talk about, right? With the cross of sleeping Phoenix, cross of planning, cross of plan was all big business, Wall Street, corporate power, maybe greed, wink, wink, right? Cough, cough, traditional economic structures. So Pluto in Capricorn has been upholding the cross of planning as well. They've been working in conjunction is my how I believe it to be, Right. That has been working in conjunction. They are now working in conjunction as we work towards the cross of the sleeping phoenix. Now, Pluto on the cross of planning has the potential to be our downfall on an individual level and on a humanity level. If we don't have a willingness to transform and mutually or mutate in a mutually beneficial way, innovate in a mutually beneficial way. Now, Aquarius is an air sign. And when we're looking at Aquarius in terms of meeting Pluto, meeting the cross of sleeping Phoenix, it's governed by Uranus. And this is about, you know, it's funny because again, we are at this crossroads. It's motivated by collective care, humanitarianism, almost like an eccentric nature as well. Individuality, innovation, creativity, large scale societal matters rebellions and revolutions. I think we're going to see a lot of rebellions and revolutions coming up and both the micro level of in industries and more of the macro level on the world scale. I think this is going to be huge. It's associated with scientific breakthroughs, wink, wink, Musk with his robots, (laughs) medical advancements and technological advances. Now, Uranus, I actually love Uranus energy. I'm like an outer planet girl. I'm not, I don't even really bother with most of the planets. I like more of the asteroids, working with the asteroids to be quite transparent. But if I work with the planets, it's the outer planets. Uranus plus Aquarius brings an unexpected, almost unusual, surprising event energy. And again, this is where I was saying, I think there's going to be more aliens. Yes, we saw it confirmed by government, but I think there's going to be more connections and more, yeah, very clear connections with aliens, extraterrestrials. I really believe this. And expect events like this to skyrocket with this energy, I believe is 100%. 100%. Like I'm just in a place where it's like expect the unexpected, but also, of course, <laughs> Also, of course, now taking all this together, we have a plan of transformation and potential destruction getting all tangled up with Aquarius, meaning expect the unexpected while we are moving into the cross of sleeping Phoenix, but also expect that ultimately what we are moving into and what is being asked of us is 
individuality, like the graphic here, the era of the individual, you have to take care of yourself, not because you can't rely on others, but because you are your authority. You go in before you go out. You make the right connections. You follow abundance as a matter of spirit, which is 55, rather than abundance as a matter of greed or the bargain. It's abundance as a matter of spirit. Where is your spirit calling you into right now? Don't tell me you don't know. You do know. It's a refusal to see what is in front of you. It's a putting on the rose-colored glasses to avoid what one's being called into. You know what your abundance as a matter of spirit is. You know that next step that's being asked of you. It's time to take it. I also predict major radical dismantling to occur on, again, micro and macro level, as well as extraordinary developments that may change life as we know it for positive or negative. For me, I'm going to be honest, I don't think this iRobot takeover that Elon Musk is putting together is for better. However, futuristic, forward thinking is Pluto and Aquarius, a centric, innovative, individual, outside of the box. That's the energy we're moving forward with. So is it going to be a new earth or this like dystopian hellscape? You know, I was, I'm rewatching Snowpiercer right now, which I really shouldn't watch shows like that. <laughs> it's a really good show, but it's kind of like the end of the world, right? And they end up on this train, this billionaire creates this train. And anyway, I'm not going to get into the details of it. It's a great show, but it just reminds me of the crossroads rat right now. Like, are we going to end up like Snowpiercer or are we bringing in a new earth? Well, kind of remains to be determined at this point because we really need good people doing great things in this world. We really need people that give a shit, taking a stand, caring, because each person creates a ripple effect. All right. The cross of sleeping Phoenix and Pluto and Aquarius. So again, we've talked about this, right? You can look around the spiritual coaching spaces, the healing industries, government, world politics, all of it. We are dealing with a great awakening. The hierarchy is being challenged. There is a rumbling, a shaking up of structures. And more people than ever are questioning the way things have been. And again, we're shifting from that blind fixation of what makes money, the bargain, collapsing to what your soul is calling you into. So 55 with that abundance of matter of spirit, I'd be sitting with, what does that mean to me? What does abundance as a matter of spirit mean to me? And this energy, my friends, is not going to release any, anytime soon. Like I said, it's not going to even give up when 2027 hits because it's not just a light switch. We're going to be experiencing aspects and remnants of the cross of planning well into the cross of sleeping Phoenix a gradual transition, one that we should be thankful for, right? And some of you are going to have a key role in anchoring in the cross of planning, anchoring in the era of planning so that we can make that transition as smoothly as possible. So I want to wrap this up with some wisdom from Rot Ruhu in regards to the cross of the sleeping phoenix. He said, one of the things to understand about the sleeping phoenix is that it's been a sleeping phoenix or it's been sleeping for a long time. It's always been there ready, but not ready to rise. Understand sleeping phoenix. When the phoenix wakes up, the phoenix has to die before it can fly. Do you understand? This is not the cross of the phoenix. 
It's not the cross a sleeping phoenix, or it is the cross of sleeping phoenix. It's very different. And I want you guys to think of that, right? He's saying it's not the cross of phoenix. It's not just the phoenix. It's the sleeping phoenix. And that drastically changes the energy of it. It's not just rising up. That phoenix has been asleep. (laughs) All right, let's get back into the quote. Ross says, the moment that you grasp that difference is the moment that you can see that 2027 brings quite a double-edged sword. It brings the death of something. And out of that death, rising out of the ashes of that death comes something new. And guess what's dying? You. It's a very, very spooky gate. Basically, what you're looking at is the release of a momentum building evolutionary change that will lead to the extinction of Homo sapiens. That's what it is. We're not going to live long enough, and I mean the species, to actually be able to get to the point as modern man did that you actually get to walk into the valley and say, hey, they're all dead. It's not like rave children are going to wander around going, hey, the last one just went. We won't get that. So what he's talking about is like long, long, long term, homo sapiens as we know them, humans as we know them, like we are in such an evolutionary change that no one even knows what we're going to be. And this isn't even our kids that are, or our kids, kids that are going to deal with this or our kids, kids, kids. But long term, we are in this massive evolutionary change. That's why I said it is profound that you were born right now. And I believe that Pluto and Aquarius is, and of course, this had to happen this way because we need to, as he said, it's a death and a rising out of the ashes. So lately, people have been waking up. As this, as Pluto's been creeping closer and closer and closer, people have been waking up. People have been realizing something's not right. They've been realizing that they've been asleep. So they're waking up. But you have to wake up first, burn it all down, and then you rise. And this is the energy we're moving into. And this is why I say it's so mind-blowing. And yet, of course, that Pluto made this massive shift as we're in the seven-year cycle to the cross of the sleeping phoenix. Now, of course, the energy won't do the work for you. I'm not a big fan of, oh, a portal this, a portal that, because at the end of the day, everyone's talking about portals. All of, Everyone's talking about energy shifts. Everyone's talking about all this. But how many people actually do anything with it? So the energy is not going to do it for you. It's supporting and illuminating the work that must be done. So just because as a collective, we're moving through this does not mean that everyone will make it out to the other side as leaders in the new age. There's a lot of lip service that's going to be illuminated from the cross of planning. And it's not going to carry over to the cross of sleeping Phoenix. The cross of sleeping Phoenix is all about proof that you're who you say you are. That you get the results you say you get. Whereas the cross of planet was very much just like, I'm loyal to you because I'm in your community. I'm loyal to you because you're the guru. And there's a big shift coming with the era of the individual. And I believe, I truly believe in my heart and soul, if I was someone that was able to transform from where I was when I was in corporate to where I am now that anyone can do it. The question is, are you willing to, are you willing to be uncomfortable enough to have Pluto, the dark goddess come in and rip everything down? Are you willing to sit in the discomfort? Are you willing to not just sit in the discomfort, but be comfortable in the shadow, comfortable in the darkness so that you can transmute that? And are you willing to do what needs to get done to be a part of the 1%? Those are the questions. I honestly believe in that we are being asked right now, 
What side are you on? And I believe there's going to be a lot more people in 2024 that go back to corporate or go back to their old job over their business and their brand. And that makes me so sad because I really believe, especially soul-led entrepreneurs, people in the world need you. The world needs each of us in our power, making change. So it's really unfortunate that I really do believe more people will be going back. But surrender to it. Passenger consciousness. I use this analogy today on a mastermind call. I was giving an analogy for passenger consciousness. That's human design. And I said, you know, our minds want to figure it all out, right? Check off the box, put things here and things there. A plus B equals C. It wants to figure it all out. But you cannot figure out or control your destiny. You can only live it. That is your only option is to live your destiny, to live your life. And passenger consciousness is the difference of your mind trying to fly a plane and your mind's in the pilot seat. Your mind's like, if we go here and we do this and we do that, we'll get to the right place. But you're not trained to fly a plane. (laughs) Your mind isn't designed. It isn't meant to be your authority. It isn't meant to make decisions. It isn't meant to predict or know what's coming next. So you're, but your mind's up there in the pilot seat trying to figure it out, trying to force it, trying to A plus B equals C it. When passenger consciousness is you sit your ass in a passenger seat, you look out your window and you enjoy the ride. That's passenger consciousness. But a lot of people, and this is what's going to separate people, is the people willing to see that versus those unwilling to continue to fight in the continued struggle over the pilot's chair. Now, what often happens is people say, well, so then I just like lean back. No, that's not what we're saying. It's strategy and authority, getting into the correct things for you. But it's the correct things you see from being in the right place, from being aligned, from being in the right environment. But you couldn't figure that out if you were in the pilot seat. You see it, you respond to it. You see it, you get the invitation. You see it, et cetera, et cetera. It came to you. It's not about just leaning back. It's not about doing anything. And if there is an aspect of self that says, Well, if I just lean back like that, then I won't take any action. Then that's a trust issue with self that needs to be addressed. Because if you legitimately think the alternative of trying to force, control, contrive perfectionism, if the alternative of that is do absolutely nothing at all and be a lump on a log, there is some kind of, there is mindset work that needs to be done there. There is self-trust issues that need to be done there. You need to be able to trust yourself that when the right thing comes, you're taking action. As passenger consciousness, as you're in the right environment, you're seeing the right things, you're interacting with the right people, the right opportunities come up and you take them. You need to trust yourself. And that doesn't even mean strategy and authority doesn't even mean because you like it, because it feels good, because it makes you happy, because it'll get you more status. That's not strategy and authority. That's not strategy and authority. So many people think it is though. I work with my clients in deconditioning. My holistic human design offer is all about this. One-on-one who say, yeah, it's a yes, sacral yes, because. Well, it wasn't a sacral yes, son. If you had an agenda, that's the mind. If you are getting attached to outcomes with an agenda, that's the mind. So is there a willingness to surrender right now? We're being challenged into that. All right, my friends. I'm wrapping it up on that. I did not mean to be speaking for an hour. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please give it a share or tag someone and I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys.